I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number, 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. should you wish to be on the program. Well, the situation is spiraling out of control for local elected officials in Athens, Clark County, Georgia. The mayor there, uh, Kelly Gertz, is holding a press conference, and it's not been going well for him over the death of Lake and Riley, and it expands overnight. Uh, more illegal aliens have killed more Americans, and it's less and less becoming a one-off. Uh, let me go to the mayor of Athens, Georgia. <clears throat> Here's the context first. This is what you need to know. Overnight, uh, word has come of an El Salvadorian who killed a two-year-old American citizen in Maryland, and there's another report of an illegal alien in Louisiana who raped a child and stabbed someone. If you will recall, Katie Porter, who is the progressive from California, was on CNN yesterday talking about Lake and Riley and said this. I think when a horrible tragedy like, like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy, she says. Uh, And now a a fifth suspect has been arrested in the tragic murder of a two-year-old in Prince George County, Maryland. Uh, It is Nielsen Trejo uh, Granados. He's been charged with first and second degree murder. He is an illegal alien who came into the country. Uh, And then there's this out of Louisiana. A 19-year-old Honduran man has been arrested in Kenner, Louisiana, following a series of violent crimes. They say the investigation began Tuesday, February 20th, when the police were notified of the rape of a 14-year-old girl at Knife Point. Angel Marias Castellanos Aureliana was identified as the suspect. Uh, He also is accused of stabbing people. He's been booked on armed robbery, aggravated battery, first-degree rape, and aggravated assault. He, too, is an illegal alien. So, Katie Porter, we got one in Louisiana. We got one in Maryland. We got one in Georgia. And that's just this week. 
Well, in Athens, Georgia, they're screaming that they're not a sanctuary city. Here's what you need to know. This is very important. This comes from Houston Gaines, a member of the state legislature in Georgia, who notes that they, in fact, in Georgia, in Athens, decided to pass a resolution in 2019 stating, quote, all people, including those without documentation, should feel welcome and comfortable interacting with local law enforcement, their local government, and all services provided as such, and that undocumented neighbors, especially those of Latinx, notice the white people on the council and the progressives went with Latinx heritage, face daily fears and threats from individuals and institutions such as ICE. Concurrently, the elected district attorney there, Deborah Gonzalez, said that on her first day in office, she would, quote, take into account collateral consequences to undocumented defendants. Um, Now, here's what you need to know about Athens, Clark County, Georgia. In Georgia, there is a law that prohibits sanctuary cities and counties. Notwithstanding that, Athens, Clark County has gone as far as they can to become a sanctuary city, declaring themselves as such several years ago, even against state law. So here's what the policy is. If an illegal alien is arrested and placed in jail, their current policy stipulates that if a detainer is issued, that is a notice from ICE to detain the individual, but it's not accompanied by a federal warrant or a court order signed by a federal magistrate or federal judge, they shall not be held solely on the ICE detainer. And if the warrant is issued, they'll be released after 48 hours if federal agents haven't picked them up. Essentially, the way Athens-Clark County has decided to get around being uh, not being allowed to be a sanctuary city is with this law enforcement mechanism that when an illegal alien is arrested and placed in jail, if the feds don't send a warrant along with the detainer. So if an illegal alien is arrested and put in jail, ICE generates a detainer saying, please hold this illegal alien. If someone doesn't go through the trouble of also going to a federal judge and getting an arrest warrant, Athens, Clark County, Georgia lets the person out of jail, even though they know they're an illegal alien. That's how they get around the sanctuary city law. So when the mayor says we're not a sanctuary city, technically they're not because of state law, but in practice they are because of the policies of the local government in athens Clark County, knowingly making it more difficult for the federal government to detain an illegal alien who's been in jail. It's a policy choice in athens Clark County, Georgia to do that. So the mayor had a press conference, and, well, I'll let you listen to some of this. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Okay, can I just say, just just as a matter of, of, of interest here, do you really want to lecture people about immigration and crime when an illegal alien has just murdered a girl? Actually, immigration and crime aren't related, so I wish you people would stop, you bad people as opposed to you people in government who have made it really hard for the federal government to come in and remove the illegal aliens like the one who just murdered the girl. Because the impact of federal immigration policy on localities has been under such consistent discussion in recent months, I do want to say a few words about this. It's my 18th year as a local government policymaker, and my work has overlapped with four U.S. presidencies, and numerous iterations of Congress. 
All of them have failed to reach agreement on how to handle immigration. Okay, so you're going to scapegoat the federal government when you, the local government that impacts people's lives more locally, more directly than the president of the United States, you locally made policy choices to aid and abet illegal aliens. You people locally did that, not the president, mayor. Not the Congress, Mayor. You people in athens Clark County locally did that. Well, the crowd there didn't get it, let him get away with it. That term means different things to different people depending on the context of the discussion. Uh, we know what many, it means. Many yeah, of the elements. Liar. Many of the elements. Liar. 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 We're here to listen. Liar. You're a liar. We're here to listen. Liar. Blood on your head. All right. Dude says he's here to listen and he wants to lecture the rest of us on illegal immigration. It's not related to crime. I've been here for 18 years. Everybody else has failed. How can you blame us? What a disaster of a press conference. Well, it's not just him. On the Athens Clark County government is this Jim. Uh, Jesse, what's his name? Uh, he's the uh, district commissioner. Y'all, this really, I'm not making this up. Uh, I, I, I really, I'm not making this up. You will think that I'm making this up. Uh, his name is Jesse Hooley, H-O-U-L-E. On his Twitter page, Commissioner District 6, and he has uh, they, them pronouns, love each other, and abolish prison. And he tweeted, Jesse did, none of us know all the facts yet regarding Ms. Riley's tragic death. He tweeted this, by the way, at 2.26 p.m. yesterday, after we've known the facts of her death. None of us know all the facts yet regarding Ms. Riley's tragic death. Assuming the alleged perpetrator is the murderer. So we don't know all the facts yet, but you're already going with he, she was murdered. And I certainly hope the police have arrested the correct person. He is an individual and not a representative of everyone with whom he shares an identity. Let me read you the bio for this spectacularly unaccomplished member of the athens Clark County Unified Government. Jesse grew up in New England, moving through dozens of places around central and western Massachusetts. Oh, he's a Yankee. We should stop right there. Transplanted down to Athens, Georgia. To make ends meet, Jesse worked multiple jobs in the service industry before deciding to focus primarily on their work as a touring musician and recording artist. In 2008, they moved to Athens to put down new roots somewhere warmer and more affordable. Jesse continued juggling multiple jobs until settling into an administrative position at FedEx Ground, enabling them a new period of financial stability. In 2011, Jesse became deeply involved in Occupy Athens, a local outgrowth of the Occupy Wall Street movement. Through their involvement, they developed as a community organizer and have remained active in politics and community organizing ever since. Now, I'm going to skip the rest of this marvelous bio and get to this gym. Jesse endeavors to bring their authentic self to governance with curiosity, humility, diligence, and compassion. Jerry, Jesse is non-binary, identifies as queer, and uses they-them pronouns. 
Jesse eats a plant-based diet complemented by abundant hot sauce and coffee. They love games, geography, language, art, music, hiking, camping, humans, and non-human animals. They've traveled extensively in all 48 of the contiguous United States, including most major cities and national parks that have spent a month or more in each of the seven foreign countries. Their personal best for the New York Times spelling bee game is Queen Bee 12 days in a row. You go, Jesse, go! Jesse swore their oaths of office on the following The Places That Scare You by Pima Children, Off the Map by Kika and Hib, Slapstick by Kurt Vonnegut, Demand Everything Lessons in Transformative Organizing by Steve Williams, their 2020 issue platform. East of Eden by John Steinbeck and Being Peace by Thich Nhat Hanh. In 2022, they welcomed into the world their first child, River Quinn, alongside their spouse, Megan, and partner, Aaron. Punchline at the end, he's in a thruple. Yes. This is one of the commissioners on the Athens-Clark County Commission who doesn't want us to jump to, to conclusions. And this individual, if he's the right individual, if the evil police did their job, he's just an individual and we shouldn't judge. Remarkably, we have this entirety of uh, the, this governing body. And by the way, there are some good people on the Athens-Clark County government. You should know that there are some. But overwhelmingly, this county is progressive, and they're giving the county the government they chose to give them, a government that wants to have the mayor, after a murder, stand up and lecture people. I've been on a government for 18 years, and Washington can't get this right. How do you expect me locally to get it right? We're not a sanctuary city. The law says we're not a sanctuary city. Pay no attention to how we actually dispatch illegal aliens to make it hard for the federal government to get them. When you have people like this in charge, of course, you're going to wind up in the situation we're in. You got one dude in a thruple who uses them. And by the way, I, I just want to say this about this Jesse Hool person who from, from Massachusetts who was with Occupy Athens and, and hasn't really had much of a real job. There are distinguished members of the Athens-Clark County government. You, you should know this. There are some distinguished members of the athens Clark County government. Uh, in fact, in the athens Clark County, County government, you have 10 districts plus the mayor. If you were to go to the athens Clark County website, you would find some spectacularly accomplished people, whether I like them or not, whether I agree with them personally or not on their politics, have some spectacularly accomplished people. Every last one of them has a super short bio. One of them, for example, uh, John Culpepper, District 7 in athens Clark County. You can tell he's very comfortable in his own skin. Probably has the shortest bio on the entire website of athens Clark County government. Literally, owner-founder owner, of local staffing business, active in numerous business and civic organizations, including the Salvation Army, graduate of the University of Georgia, member of First United Methodist Church, and avid Georgia Bulldogs fan. That's it. That's the bio. The most unaccomplished member of the athens Clark County government is the District 6 guy who has the longest 
biography of all of them. Why? Because of course the guy who lives in a thruple and uses they, them pronouns and identifies as queer is a self-obsessed narcissist, as are most of those sorts of people. They are self-absorbed narcissists, and you must learn everything you can about them, including his score in the New York Times spelling bee, because of course that's relevant. And to them, you know what's not relevant? They have a dead college student on their hands. And instead of actually treating it seriously and making it harder for illegal immigrants to murder, they want to lecture you that you're bigots and you should think about your own life choices and you leave the government to them because some of them have been there for 18 years. And if Congress can't get it right, why the hell should you expect them to get it right? Who cares there's a dead college student? We got to treat the Latinx community that's illegal aliens here A-OK and let them out of jail before the feds round them up. But don't call us a sanctuary city. Athens, Clark County, there are elections for these people this year. You can hold them accountable. But I suspect maybe there aren't enough people there who really actually want to clean up this mess. Some of you might like it. And that's really depressing to think about. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's some significant breaking news I've got to cover with you. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Breaking news, Senator Mitch McConnell is announcing he will step down as the Senate's Republican leader in November. Uh, Record run in this post. Uh, Say what you will about McConnell, and my gosh, have I said a lot about McConnell. Uh, But Merrick Garland would be on the Supreme Court but for him, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett uh, might not have made it to the Supreme Court, particularly Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, One thing Mitch McConnell excelled at was getting judges confirmed. He cared about it passionately. He will remain in the Senate for the duration of this term. I guess this signals is probably his final term in the Senate as well. Uh, McConnell stepping down as Republican leader after the November elections. Big news, big news. Now, I got to tell you about Swiss America. They want to help you protect your hard-earned assets from the government. You know, I've been, since I've been talking about this, on air, I've gotten more and more stories of people who are going into businesses saying, I'm sorry, you, you, we, we don't accept cash here. And it's legal for businesses to say you got to use plastic. The problem is that with plastic, the government and the businesses, they can track your expenses and then they can, well, regulate how you spend on. Swiss America wants to teach you about the secret war on cash and how to protect your assets. You can get their free report. It's completely free. You just call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. The Secret War on Cash Report, it is free. Just mention Eric Erickson. Call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, or call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Get the report, The Secret War on Cash, for free. Message and data rates may apply. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders 
no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. Let's go to the floor of the United States Senate. This is breaking news happening now. Senator Mitch McConnell announcing he's stepping aside as the Republican. On the hill that Ronald Reagan discussed. As long as I'm drawing breath on this earth, I will defend American exceptionalism. So as I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe that day arrived today. My goals when I was narrowly elected to the Senate back in 1984 were fairly modest. Do a good job for the people of Kentucky and convince them that by doing so, they might rehire me for a second term. That was it. That was the plan. If you would have told me 40 years later that I would stand before you as the longest serving Senate leader in American history, frankly, I would have thought you'd lost your mind. I have the honor of representing Kentucky and the Senate longer than anyone else in our state's history. I just never could have imagined, never could have imagined that happening when I arrived here in 1984 at 42. I'm filled with heartfelt gratitude and humility for the opportunity. But now it's 2024. I'm now 82. As Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. That's Mitch McConnell on the floor of the United States Senate. Uh, sounds like this is probably going to be his last term in the U.S. Senate as well. I mean, he's been there since 1984, longest-serving uh, senator from Kentucky in American history, longest-serving Republican leader in the Senate in American history, and uh, stepping aside in November after the new batch of Republicans is elected, and they're on track to win the majority. Uh, if everything uh, aligns the way they want and they get their good crop of candidates. By the way, 
it's a good time for me to plug uh, our event in in August in Atlanta where we take our radio listeners from around the country. Everybody gets to come to Atlanta, meet each other in person, hang out with me, and uh, listen to some of the great uh, Republicans running for office. We've got Dave McCormick we've invited from Pennsylvania. We've got Tim Shea from Montana we've invited. Uh, we've got a number of re- prominent Republicans in the House and the Senate coming. We've got the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee we've invited, Steve Dane from Montana, the governor of Montana, uh, Greg Gianforte, who's up for re-election this year, uh, is is coming. Doug Ducey, the former governor of Arizona, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, uh, a lot of others uh, inviting the R- new RNC chair from North Carolina as well. There, there's so much. Um, the phone number, I'm sorry, the, the, the texting number to get a ticket, uh, if you text the word ENGAGE, to 33777, text ENGAGE to 33777. I'll send you a link back. You can get a ticket. It's August 8th through the 11th in Atlanta, and uh, going to have some great people there. Now, I, I want to switch gears. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been trying to build up his image as some sort of progressive populist, trying to blend progressivism and populism and be a workers' man and all of that. Uh, remember, this is Gavin Newsom who shut down the state of California wouldn't allow people even to go walk on the beach in California and was filmed being videotaped inside a restaurant with friends without a mask on while no one else was allowed to go to restaurants. It's like the scene out of Animal Farm at the end with the pigs around the table and the farmer, uh, and the pigs looking like the farmer and the farmer looking like the pigs and the other pigs realize they've been had. It's the nature of communism uh, creeping into the Democratic Party. Well, in California, Gavin Newsom championed raising the minimum wage for fast food spots to $20 an hour from $16 an hour. But oddly enough, there's an exemption. If your restaurant sells bread, it's exempt. If bread is sold as a standalone item, uh, your fast food restaurant doesn't have to pay $20 an hour. Turns out. Gavin Newsom, uh, one of his top donors, is a man named Greg Flynn. Greg Flynn made his fortune running one of the world's largest franchise operations. That would be Panera Bread. Flynn opposed the law and gave lots of money to Gavin Newsom. And so Gavin Newsom, behind closed doors, slid in a provision that if a fast casual or fast food restaurant sells bread as a standalone item, like Panera Bread does, it's exempt from the $20 an hour law. Fascinating. Gavin Newsom, by the way, has said that it is um, just part of the sausage-making process of legislation. That that's That's how this works. Now, this is decimating. Uh, businesses in, in California, the people, businesses, fast food restaurants, they're already losing uh, drivers. They're laying people off. They're cutting hours back to be able to make ends meet. Some of them are considering raising prices to be able to make it happen. Uh, Flynn's donations to Newsom's political campaigns have included $100,000 to fight off the recall effort, $64,800 to support the 2022 re-election. Uh, he's known to tout his relationship with Gavin Newsom, according to people familiar with the matter, with one saying the fast food entrepreneur has said he can reach the governor via text. Their relationship goes back to 2014 when Flynn acquired a Napa Valley resort managed by Newsom's hospitality company. 
Newsom was then the lieutenant governor, reported an undisclosed amount of income from Flynn's company that year. The management contract began under the previous owner, the Getty Family Trust, and Flynn decided not to renew it about a year into his ownership. They've maintained their relationship since. Now, the wage will go up uh, to $2022 an hour, a change with more than 100 locations across the United States, but exempts organizations that sell bread. It's only a matter of time before McDonald's starts selling their hamburger buns as a standalone item. Uh, or, or, you know, it, what, Chipotle can sell the tortillas. If Chipotle starts putting the tortillas on a menu, that they, they can get around it. Chipotle right now is thinking they're going to have to raise prices in California. This is corruption. This is the sort of stuff that um, Gavin Newsom campaigns against, talking about how government's got to work for the people. He's, so he's screwing the employees of Panera Bread because someone gave him a lot of money. But because the employees at McDonald's didn't give him money, he's, well, screw them. They'll, they're they're going to get higher wages, which is going to result in their unemployment. And also everybody else is going to see higher prices in California thanks to this law. I mean, there is a supply and demand issue here. You know, Wendy's is looking at uh, engaging in the supply and demand curve with uh, pricing based on demand. So Wendy's is looking at... As demand goes up for Wendy's during the day, it's going to raise its prices. The reason Wendy's is saying it's doing this is because so many people now don't actually go to fast food restaurants. They order through DoorDash. And so Wendy's locations around the country are getting overwhelmed with DoorDash orders. The result is that Wendy's has decided that it's going to, uh, when there's strong demand, it's going to raise prices. uh, And these prices will fluctuate up to 15% during the day. There will be a baseline price for a burger. But when there's peak demand for Wendy's, that burger price can go up 15%, uh, thinking that people will actually, as the price goes up, maybe slack off ordering because Wendy's can't hire enough people. And part of the problem is places like California that have driven up the labor cost for fast food restaurants. They can't hire enough workers to keep up with the demand for what's coming in through DoorDash because, one, there aren't enough workers, and, two, they have to pay them so much the companies are having uh, struggling with profitability. This is all foreseeable. It's like, for example, when a county, let's say Clark County, Georgia, for example, decides to get around a state law prohibiting sanctuary cities by saying if an illegal alien gets arrested, we're going to let him out of jail if the feds haven't taken the time to process a warrant for them, and even if they do, we're going to let them out of jail within 48 hours. Guess what happens? You become a safe haven for illegal aliens, even though your state prohibits sanctuary cities, and then one of them murders a college student, and you're like, ah, who could have foreseen something like this happening in our community? Don't lecture us on being a sanctuary city. The progressive policies don't actually help the people they're designed to help. They help the elite feel good about themselves. So those who get elected using they, them pronouns can sleep well at night. And everybody else has to have a gun next to their bedside table in case their house is stormed in the middle of the night by the criminal element. By the way, this gets me back to that that um, they, them uh, narcissist commissioner on the athens Clark County Commission. I'm sorry, y'all, but when you are bragging about how unaccomplished you are and yet have the biggest bio among the commissioners, you know that you are a narcissist. And listen to this. Listen to this. This is hilarious. I left this out when I was reading this guy's bio earlier. 
This period of Jesse's life included nearly two years of living entirely without the use of money, experimenting in a gift economy while traveling extensively and continuing political and social work. So dude was a bum for two years and spun it as some virtuous thing, begging people to help him. Showing no responsibilities in the world. Oh, what a, what, a, what, what a wonderful life. To be a musician, traveling the world, begging people for money. To be spectacularly unaccomplished. To be a democratic socialist. Uh, to be a community organizer. Even Barack Obama had a day job when he was a community organizer. Good gracious. And then to, to, to want to abolish the prison system. I hope you people feel super safe. My goodness gracious. The fallout of progressive policies. And I got to tell you, conservatives can message their way to victory on this sort of stuff. From Newsom stuff in California to, to this stuff in athens Clark County, Georgia, conservatives have a message if they will stick to message discipline. One of those um, groups that's doing the research to provide them the good message is Americans for Prosperity. It's one of the things they do. They message test conservative positions to see how to sell them best to the public, and they teach their activists to go out there and educate people about conservative policy in positive ways to get people to embrace limited government. Limited government is good for all of us. The fewer people in charge of us, the better off we will be, particularly when they use they-them pronouns and sit on the athens Clark County Commission and uh, are worried about the illegal aliens more than the murdered college students. Americans for Prosperity actually goes around the country educating voters about the conservative cause. They engage and fight for school choice and limited government. They fight for common sense regulations. They fight for criminal justice. Americans for Prosperity does a great job around the country. They want you on their side. They've got over 4 million people helping them. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with Americans for Prosperity today. Learn to be a great activist, a freedom fighter for conservative convictions in this country with Americans for Prosperity. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Look, I want to take your phone calls and we got to talk about Michigan. But before I get to anything else, I, 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 there's a huge case in Texas that I need to draw your attention to. And even before that, I got to tell you, this hour is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're buying a building or building a building or buying a franchise, First Liberty Building and Loan might be able to help you. If you need $250,000 or more, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. This is a monumental case in Texas in federal court. A federal judge there has thrown out the $1.7 trillion uh, spending package from Congress that was passed at the end of 2022 the judge is James Wesley Hendricks. He's in Lubbock. Uh, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, filed a lawsuit over it based on the quorum clause. Now, the Democrats said federal judges can't uh, quibble with the rules of the House of Representatives. The rules, the House gets to set its own rules, except 
the the provision in the Constitution that says the House sets its own rules also says that there's got to be a quorum present to pass legislation. And with this particular omnibus spending package, Nancy Pelosi was using proxy rules in the House of Representatives, allowing people to not be there and cast votes. And in this particular instance, there were not a majority of the members of the House of Representatives present on the floor of the House per tradition and rules and the plain text of the Constitution. And part of this um, is uh, involved with the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which is a piece of legislation that Texas argued would cost the state money uh, to oversee, enforce, and proceed with, and that the proxy rules in the House violate the quorum rules in the, in the House representatives. Supreme Court precedent, according to the judge, has long held that the quorum clause requires presence, and the clause's text distinguishes those absent members from the quorum and provides a mechanism for obtaining a physical quorum by compelling absent members to attend. Therefore, they violated the quorum in, in passing this piece of legislation. And by the way, I absolutely think the judge is right. And one of the things the jo judge notes is he's making no statement on whether or not you can have proxy of some members. But in this particular case, there was not a physical majority present on the floor of the House. There was, in fact, just a minority of members present, not enough to satisfy the quorum requirements. And then they were voting by the, – the others were voting by proxy through that minority of members. And the judge says, this is absolutely unconstitutional. And by the way, I absolutely think the judge is right. And this is absolutely a very big decision. Uh, and the Democrats, of course, are spitting mad. It's a 120-page ruling. And I thought it was very well-reasoned by the judge. I, yes, I read all 120 pages last night. It's what I do for you people. And I think it's very well-reasoned. Uh, I was a little bit concerned at first because when the, 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 the decision starts, he doesn't actually, there's no case law, there's nothing cited, but then he gets into it. And it's 120 pages in and it's very well-documented. In fact, let me just read you the beginning of this. For over 235 years, Congress understood the Constitution's quorum clause to require a majority of members of the House or Senate to be physically present to constitute the necessary quorum to pass legislation. This rule prevents a minority of members from passing legislation that affects the entire nation. But despite the Constitution's text and centuries of consistent practice, the House in 2020 created a rule that permitted non-present members to be included in the quorum count and vote by proxy. He says you can't do that. Based on the Quorum Clause's text, original public meeting, and historical practice, the court concludes the Quorum Clause bars the creation of a quorum by including non-present members participating by proxy. Supreme Court precedent has long held that the Quorum Clause requires presence. The clause's text distinguishes those absent members from the quorum and provides a mechanism for obtaining a physical quorum by compelling absent members to attend. This power to compel attendance makes little sense divorced from physical presence. This connection to physical presence is further evident through the contemporaneous discussions of the clause at the Constitutional Convention, which centered on the challenge of having a majority of members attend legislative sessions due in part to the distance they must travel. Additionally, longstanding historic practice dating back to the first Congress establishes that only those members who were physically present could affirmatively count towards the quorum. Yes, it's a great decision. Now, when we come back, we got to talk about what happened in Michigan. Not good news for Joe Biden. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.